Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue here and Lindsley Avenue there. Whether you've joined us here in person or whether you're watching from home, uh, we appreciate your presence and your focus upon Jesus here this morning. So thank you. If you happen to be watching from home, I'll tell you right now, there is no need to adjust the color on your screen or your TV because yes, this tie really is that nuts and that crazy. It uh, happens to be a, a Christmas-oriented tie, but it also is a preacher's first line of defense against sleepiness because it's tough to be staring up this way, see this, and close your eyes because that, that's pretty mind-boggling. But uh, uh, especially young, sometimes younger kids really get a kick out of that kind of stuff. So again, thank you for, uh, for joining us here this morning. When we're thinking about December, usually two things will come to mind. Of course, uh, the birth of Jesus we're actually going to talk about that next week. We'll be talking about joy to the world next week. But as well, many times in December, it's a time of you know, looking back and also looking at things to end. Things to end. And so last week we talked about one of the things that we need to focus on that will be ending. And that was our lives. Not exactly a positive, uplifting thing, but something we need to think about. We are not going to be here forever. Well, this morning, we're going to focus on another aspect of something that's going to end. And in this case, that's going to be time, things that end. Time itself, not just our time, all of time for everything and everybody. So my subtitle there says, the, time, the clock is running out. The clock is running out. You know, we focus on that kind of thing if you think about a basketball game or a football game. You know, even in a football game, they get right at the end, what? The two-minute warning. Not going to be any two-minute warnings in terms of time for the world. So we kind of need to be thinking and operating, if you will, and going through our lives as if the two-minute warnings already sounded because we don't know what the clock on the scoreboard has left. It always seemed like in a way that's cheating, right? I know I've got 10 seconds left, so I've got to hurry. Well, how much time does the world have left? And from last week, how much time do I have left? I don't know. So maybe I should be kind of in a hurry all the time. So one way we're going to, to do this, I'll do a quick review here of one passage from last week. We're just going to let the text speak to us today. We're going to look at five passages about the end of the world, end of time that's coming. But when you think about last week, we talked about the end of life. And so when you're looking at that, First uh, Thessalonians 4 is going to be the summary I'll put back up from last week. It says, four, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, I, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Who's he talking about? People who have died. People who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And so the point to focus on and remember about my life, about your life, about our lives, is that to a member of God's family, to a Christian, death is merely falling asleep. And notice again, Paul says that you're not sleeping by yourself, you're not in some isolated uh, place, you're not in some dark corner, if you can imagine that, of, of wherever we would go. He says those who sleep in Jesus. So death is not something to fear. As fearful as we all really probably are of death anyway. You need to remember that. This morning, let's think about uh, 
things that end in terms of time. The first passage we're going to look at, you're going to, there's going to be five of them. There's going to be five of them this morning. They're all on your handout if you want to read along there. The screen is a little small for you. Is in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. We're going to read portions of it, then I'll add some thoughts to it. But again, the New Testament is by far the best preaching message there is, so the text is going to be doing most of the talking today. Picking up Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He, Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you, speaking to his apostles, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is right before Jesus leaves the earth and goes back to God, goes, goes back to heaven. And he's telling his uh, apostles, his disciples, the people who are with him, not to be worrying about things that are happening here on the earth. They had asked, are you going to bring the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus is like, quit worrying about that kind of stuff. Your important task here is not to worry about the kingdom. Your important task is to be my witnesses. That's a very important task for us. And in fact, this is the whole real theme, if you will, of the book of Acts. It shows how they were the apostles were Jesus' witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and then all the way to Rome, the uttermost parts of the earth as they knew it at that time. We need to be about our Father's business. But he continues, and the passage continues, says, Now when he, Jesus, had spoken these things, while they watched, he, Jesus, was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, and remember, you and I would be kind of half freaked out too. The person speaking to us is suddenly just, you know, an open jaw here is not a sign of, of not no faith. It's a sign of what is going on. So don't, don't hold that against them here. You know, while they were looking steadfastly up into heaven uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who said, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Well, what does he think? I mean, this guy had just floated up into the sky, All right? So you know, I cut him some slack, but the point is, again, quit worrying about the things that have been happening right here. Time to get busy, time to get busy. The fact that Jesus disappeared in a cloud does not mean that he is floating around in a cloud today. He simply disappeared from off the earth we know he went back to his Father in heaven. Heaven is not on the highest cloud you may see somewhere. So don't take that as some kind of a literal statement here. This same Jesus, these two men continue, who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Someday, the point of this passage for us this morning, someday when the time is up, Jesus is going to come back seemingly out of the sky and he will be back and time will be up. Time will be up. Next passage over again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to focus on it from a different perspective. Not so much our lives, what happens when we die, but look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul again says, we saw it a moment ago, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I hope we all do, because that's the only real important aspect of this morning. Do we believe, as Evan just sang, do you know Jesus? 
That's the only real important thing for all of us to make sure we're thinking of here this morning. But Paul says he's assuming that everybody in Thessalonica hearing this believes that Jesus died and rose again. If we believe that, then it's not a hard thing to go to the next step and realize that even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Did you notice, by the way, he said God will bring with him? What did Acts just say? Even so, Jesus will come again. Jesus is God. Every bit as much as the Father is God. That whole idea that the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is God is just not true, despite what some of our religious neighbors might think. Notice again, God will bring with him. Who's going to come back at the end of time? Jesus is the one who appears. But Paul has just called him God right there in 1 Thessalonians 4. Continuing on. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will no means precede, will no means come ahead of, come before those who are asleep. If Jesus were to show up in the sky right now, the people who had already died and members of God's family would be coming with them. We're not going to be with Jesus before those who have already died. That's what he says right here. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Time is running out. You know, and people throughout all history have been saying, I know when that's going to happen. In the past, some people sold everything they had, went up and sat on a mountain and sat, sat, sat till they got hungry. And then they came down the mountain, tried to get their stuff back. So I don't know. No one knows. Only God the Father knows when the time's going to be out because he's the only one, if you will, that can see the clock on the board, right? He knows when the two-minute warning has happened. He knows when the time's going to run out. We're simply told, act as if you don't have much time. Always be busy. What's the whole point of this passage? When the end comes for members of God's family, look right down there at the bottom of it. Thus, we will always be with the Lord. When the time runs out, the only thing that we really need to be focusing on is as members of God's family, we're going to finally, truly be with Jesus when the time runs out. And it's coming. It is coming. The next passage is over in 2 Peter chapter 3. I've been accused of using this uh, all the time because it is my favorite set of verses in the entire New Testament. Because for members of God's family, it contains, I think, the most important single question that as a member of God's family, we can ask ourselves and be asked. We ought to think about it every day. So picking up in chapter 3, verses 3 through 9, Peter, talking about the end of everything, says scoffers, skeptics, people who don't really believe that anything's going to ever change in the future. Our world's got a lot of those. Our world has a whole lot of those. So many people outside of these walls. So many people we run into day to day don't think time's running out at all. They think the clock is, is never going to run out. There is no two-minute warning, if you will, to be worried about. Scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, 
where's the promise of his coming? You guys have been saying Jesus is coming back for a long time now. Well, I don't see any signs of that. Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Things look pretty much outside the same today as they always have. You're trying to tell me to worry about things going away? Well, that's the scoffing. That's the skeptic. Peter continues, for this they willfully forget. They are ignoring what? That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. They've forgotten that because of sin, God's already wiped out much, essentially all the earth except for eight people and those on the ark once before. God doesn't sit with sin for very long, so don't be thinking that he's not going to come back again as he said he would. You're ignoring what happened before and thinking it's not going to happen again. That's not a good place to be. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God's coming back. Jesus is coming back and judgment's what's going to happen. If you're a member of God's family, if you have your heart and mind and your focus upon God, that is not something to worry about. It's not. If my mind, my heart, my life is not with God, if I'm not a member of God's family, that ought to shake because he's coming back and it's not going to go well at all for people who are not members of his family. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Here he's speaking to members of God's family. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The fact that Jesus has not come back yet is not something to be concerned about. God moves in his own time. We think, wow, it's been a long time. For all we know, it's been a blink from God's perspective. I don't know if it's going to happen this afternoon, five minutes from now, or 500 million years from now. It doesn't matter to what I do today. Just make sure my life is where it needs to be. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I firmly believe, and I believe that backs it up, the reason the earth is still here is because there are still people that need to come back to God. It might be one of us. It might be one of us. It might be people who should be in here that we need meet and we talk to, they need to know about God. They need to know about the love that Jesus has for them. That's why we are still here. To talk about what Jesus has done for us and to encourage people to come to God while there's still time. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The end's going to come and you don't expect it. I, I thought there was still time. Time's up. I've had my house broken into. Thief didn't call me ahead of time saying, hey, you're going to be there tomorrow about 3 o'clock. I'd like to come by and take some things if that's all right with you. I mean, how dare that thief didn't call ahead of time? No. Thief doesn't tell you they're coming. 
God doesn't tell us when the end's coming either. It's going to be just like a thief when you don't expect it. <laughs> you mean now? Yes, that's the way it's going to be. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent and intense heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it are going to be burned up. Therefore, here's the important passage to me. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, think about it, outside of this building, there's, you know, there's Batman building, you can see that maybe from the parking lot. There's Nissan Stadium, as big as that is. There's all these things here in Nashville, Tennessee, the United States. I mean, there's tons of monuments up there in D.C. Huge oceans that lead to other lands. Everything that you have seen, that you could see, is all going to go away. Since all these things are about to be dissolved or destroyed, what kind of persons ought you to be? That's the question I really want to encourage everybody watching at home and everybody in here. We need to ask that every single morning. Everything I see that demands my attention, everything that clamors for my time is not important. Sure, I need to go to work. I need to get some things done, but it's not important compared to what kind of person I need to be. If I'm focusing on my work and I'm being dishonest, if I'm focusing on my work and I'm not treating people the way I need to treat them, if I'm not showing Jesus and how I live my life in the day, I'm not paying attention to this most important question. Because all of those things, think about accounting people, the stack of ledgers and numbers and all that kind of stuff, none of that's going to matter because it's all going to get burned up. What kind of people should we be? And he answers that really here. In holy conduct and godliness, we need to be developing the person on the inside that God wants us to be. Once we work on the inside, it cannot help but start showing up on the outside. When you wake up in the morning, ask yourself, Am I developing the kind of person on the inside God wants me to be? Ask yourself, will I avoid putting importance on all the stuff that I see during the day, all the stuff that I'm doing during the day, where I am not thinking about what kind of person I am? That is, in my opinion, by far the single most important question because it's focusing on the things of the here and now that have people not developed into the kind of persons they ought to be. I know people, I've told this, they've printed that thing out. They've written it out. I saw it was on the, the wall of somebody's house. They sent me a picture. It ought to be on something. Carry it with you. It only takes a small piece of paper to write those few words. Look at it. Because I have found that if I don't think about that, the stuff day to day starts seeming so important. And it's really not. We should be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with intense heat. If I'm developing to be the kind of person I'm going to be, doesn't matter if the clock suddenly runs out because I will have been focused on God and I will have been telling people what Jesus did for me. So there's one question this morning. 
Have I been focusing on the kind of person I need to be? Have I been talking about Jesus? All right. Next passage. Continuing a few more verses. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him without spot and blameless. Since I know it's coming, I need to be the kind of person right now, tomorrow, next week, that I need to be. That I need to be. Back to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. You know, it's funny. In the New Testament, there is a lot of talk and, and teaching about the end of things because it's confusing then, it's confusing now, and we want to know what's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you, because you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That illustration happens a lot. Why? Because we know what thieves do. We know what happens when somebody's been robbed. We maybe have had that happen to ourselves or we know somebody. Again, they didn't call me. I'm very offended. They didn't call me and say, Gene, is it okay if I steal your stuff? Shock, right? Well, God doesn't tell me, hey, is it okay if the end of the world comes tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock? He's not going to give me or you a heads up. But it is going to happen, just like a thief coming in the middle of the night. For when they say, when people say, peace and safety, everything's fine, everything's cool, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Those of you that have had a child, you know, you're thinking of what, you wake up in the morning perhaps, or you go to sleep at night, you think what the next day is going to be, but the baby has other plans. Baby has other plans. I'm coming. Not up to you. Well, it's not a convenient day for this baby to come. It's coming. They shall not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You don't know when it's going to happen, but every day should be lived so that it's as if you know it's happening today. Shouldn't change your life because you think it's happening today. Every day ought to be that way. Back to Matthew 24. Jesus says, but of that day and hour, when Jesus is coming again, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, Jesus is going back to the flood. As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Things were going on as they always had. Ladies were in white, or whatever they wore back then. The husbands-to-be were nervous and not remembering anything that was going on around them. Life doesn't change all that much over thousands of years. And all of a sudden, boom! It started to rain. And it didn't stop for a long time. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. On that last day, whenever it's going to be, it's going to interrupt a wedding someplace. Now that's not an excuse not to plan for the wedding. 
you know, I'm not suggesting don't make plans, don't have whatever you're going to do, right? You, you, you work your day, you work your life, but it always has to be done with the knowledge that could be today. Could be today. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. If I had only known they were coming by, I would have had a chair and said, hey, welcome, let's have a talk. And then that TV said, eh, actually, that's mine. The master of the house would not have let the people break in. We should live our lives as if it's happening now, as if it might happen an hour from now, as if it may happen next week. It should not come as a surprise, even though the actual time is unknown to us, because we should be living every day as if Jesus is coming back. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. When you start thinking, ah, it's not going to happen today, that could easily be the day. Mark 13, but of that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, beware, be prepared, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and I, what I say to you I say to all watch and the idea of watch is be alert be prepared I mean that's that was Boy Scouts be prepared be prepared great idea for everything we do in life think ahead really it's what it is so watch. Jesus says watch. How? How do I prepare for the fact that the clock's running out? How do I prepare Jesus is coming back when I don't know when? What do I do? What does watching really mean? Think about First Peter, I mean Second Peter again. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Make sure my life is the kind of life God would want it to be. Are we scoffers? Are we the skeptics? Are we living as if Jesus really isn't coming back? I mean, I'm a member of God's family, but I'm over here at one of these places a few blocks away I shouldn't be at. Can I even think about God because my mind is wasted with a couple of bottles of booze? What's my life look like? Does it look like the kind of life God would want it to be? either a scoffer or I'm watching and preparing. So how do I prepare? Jesus had said again in Mark 13, watch. So how do I prepare? Well, last slide here. Last slide. John 8, 24. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you will die in your sins. So if you're not a member of God's family, you have to believe that Jesus is the one God sent to die for you so that you can go live with him. Luke 13, 3, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all and likewise perish. 
You need to believe that Jesus is the one God sent, that he came, lived, and died for you, but that has to affect my life. That has to make me change. That has to make me work to develop, to be the kind of person God wants me to be. I can't say I believe in Jesus and live my life like I don't care. I have to live for God. I have to work at it. And in Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Look, Jesus said it, just do it if you haven't already. He said it, just do it. Just do it. John 3, 16. God loved the world. Who's the world? That's you and me. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved you. He loved me. He does today no matter what I have done in my past because the world at this time is completely lost in sin and that has been me that might be you. If you're not a member of God's family, now is the time to change. If you're a member of God's family, but my life really isn't prepared for the coming of Jesus, now's the time to change. The clock's running out, but you have this moment right now to come to God as together we stand and sing.